good morning. Good morning to you all. You guys ready for the start of homecoming week? All right. Hey, that's a, that is a good Monday morning, you know, some energy here. Um, hey, it is my privilege uh, to introduce to you this morning uh, Pastor Chris Asmus. There is no better pastor uh, to kick off our homecoming week than Pastor Chris. Um, Pastor Chris is not only one of my very, very closest friends, he is my accountability partner, and he is also my pastor. I also know he's many of your pastors as well, so uh, let's give an eagle welcome to Chris Asmus. Love you, man. Love you. Thank you. I'm honestly, I'm surprised I got invited back, you guys. Last time, a couple years ago, I was preaching. It was like an intense message. And I was right at the part where I'm like, you're all going to hell. You need to repent. And then everyone just started leaving. And it wasn't because like, they were offended. I miscalculated the time. And it was like, they had class. So as they were walking out, I'm like, and Jesus. Don't forget about Jesus. So I'm going to try not to do that today. Hey, I want to talk about something that has the potential to hold you back from everything God has in your life and for your life. I want to talk about excuses. Excuses, excuses, excuses. We all make them. We make them to ourselves. We make them to one another. And I want to talk today about when we make them to God. See, I don't need to know you to know two things about you. One, God is calling you into something awesome. And two, you have all kinds of reasons why you're not going to do it. I know that about you because it's true for all of us. God is placing things on all of our hearts. Maybe it's to write a book. Maybe it's to record an album. Maybe it's to switch your major and go all in on some passion. Maybe it's to go into ministry. Maybe it's to become a a, a missionary. I don't know what it is you do. You do, don't you? Because it's, it's that thing that gets your heart hotter than anything else. It's that thing that your face just lights up every time you start talking about it. It's that thing that you continually talk yourself out of too, isn't it? Because it just feels a little too big. Open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter three. Do we still bring our Bibles to chapel? Does anyone still do that? Let's go. If you got a Bible, open it up. Exodus chapter three. In Exodus three, we meet Moses. God's people, the Hebrews, are enslaved to the Egyptians, and though Moses was born a Hebrew slave, through an amazing act of God, he's adopted into the Egyptian Pharaoh's family. So Moses' people are enslaved, but Moses is growing up as Egyptian royalty, living like a king, literally. Until one day when Moses was 40 years old, he sees an Egyptian beating up a Hebrew, and it so infuriates Moses that Moses murders the Egyptian. Somehow word gets back to Pharaoh, and now Pharaoh wants Moses dead. So Moses has to flee, he has to leave his good life, and he takes a job working for his in-laws as a shepherd. Feel this, guys. Exodus chapter 3, Moses is an 80-year-old, washed up, has been thinking, what have I done with my life? Like, I was royalty. I was swimming with swans. Now I'm staring at sheep. Exodus 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And so Moses said, I'll turn aside to see this great sight. Why is this bush not burned? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take off your sandals, off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I've seen their oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Guys, here comes the call. Come, verse 10. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. See, about 250 miles away, two million Hebrews are being beaten up and raped and worked to death. And God tells Moses, Moses, you go set them free. That's his call. Do you know what yours is? You know, God doesn't just save us and leave us. He gives us passions and and sanctified personalities. Why? To do something. To do something for his glory. You say, well, how do I know what my calling is? It's biblical and it will be personal. First, your calling will be biblical. It will be to glorify God. It will be to shine the light of of a redeemed life. It will to speak. It will be to speak and show the love of God in Christ Jesus but it will also be personal. How you do those things will be personal to you. What are you good at? What gets you excited? What makes you more angry than anything else? What are you burdened by? What do you you daydream about? You find a common thread or two in those things and it's likely what God is calling you to. Moses is going to show us now five excuses we all give for not leaning into the things God is placing on our hearts to do. The first one comes in verse 11. Y'all still with me? Verse 11? Okay. But Moses said to God, here it is, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of Egypt? Moses, I want you to go set them free. Who am I? Can you hear what's wrapped up in that? Maybe 40 years ago, Lord, but, but do you know who you're talking to? I'm a shepherd. Worse than that, I'm a murderer. Point one, the first excuse we give is I'm not worthy because of my past. In July 2010, I was sitting on a grassy hill in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota at a Young Life camp. Jesus had just saved me and immediately implanted into my heart a passion to become a pastor. Guys, I just wanted to tell everybody about Jesus, but I had this one big obstacle, my past. My past was marked by sex addiction, including homosexuality and same-sex attraction. Did the chapel speaker just go there? He just went there. So I'm like, I don't even know if people like me are allowed in a church, let alone lead a church. Sorry, God, I can't do it. It's too sinful. I'm not worthy because of my past. How does it sound in your head? 
Is there some secret sin pattern? Is there some spiritual low light that just has you pinned by shame? If you got something like that, listen to what God says to you in verse 12. He said, but I will be with you. Game changer. Was murder reason enough for God to not use Moses? Was Satan worship reason enough for God to not use Abraham? Was prostitution reason enough for God to not use Rahab? Was beating up Christians reason enough for God to not use Paul? No. Praise God, we just sang it. How, how, can, how can a holy God use such sinful people like us? We just sang it, guys. The cross. On the cross, God's son absorbed the wrath for all of our sins, past, amazing, present, praise God, and future. On the cross, anyone who trusts in Jesus was set free. And if the son has set you free, you're free. Through the cross, listen, God got over your past, and it's time that you get over yours too. Amazingly, through Jesus, your sinful past, even that thing that's so bad nobody knows about, God got over it. It's time you do too. So murder wasn't an obstacle for God to use Moses, but Moses has an excuse Another one, verse 13. Then Moses said to God, but if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? What should I, t- what should I say to them? Can you hear that excuse? Moses is like, God, I don't even know your name. If they ask me who's, sa- I don't even know, you. what am I supposed to say? I don't have enough information. Excuse number two, I'm not ready yet. I mean, yeah, of course I want to go all in on this dream. Of course I want to pursue my passion. But I don't know yet. I still need to figure out. I I first need to do the... If you're holding back because you are not ready yet, listen to God in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Guys, here for the first time ever, we just learned God's powerful name. I am who I am. BTS students, you know that this name is an infinitely deep pool revealing what theologians refer to as God's aseity, his infinite self-sufficiency. God's saying right here in his name, hey, I don't need anyone or anything. All that is, is in me. All that one can have, I do have. I am God. But I am is also the root word for God's personal name, Yahweh. So it's not just I am God, it's Moses, I'm your God. It's not just I'm everything, it's Moses, I'm everything to you. It's not just I am all, it's Moses, I am all yours. You see, guys, God is saying in his name, I am more infinite than you could ever imagine, and I am more intimate than you could ever dream. God, I I really want to do this, but but first I got to, but I'm just not ready. God's saying, listen, you don't need to be ready. You just need me. 
God, I'm not smart enough yet. I am. But, but God, I'm not equipped yet. I am. Or how about this one? But God, I'm not godly enough yet. God says, I am. Whatever God is calling you to do, you so don't need to be ready. You just need God. He is infinitely powerful and infinitely personal. So you can just tell your fears and your hesitations and whoever thinks you're not ready, shut up. I am has sent me. Who are you? But Moses is still holding back. Look at Exodus 4, verse 1. At the end of chapter 3, God gives Moses a bunch of promises, but the next excuse comes in Exodus 4, verse 1. Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, Yahweh did not appear to you. Can you hear the excuse there? It's, it, there's an emphasis on me. Me, Moses says, even if I do get a meeting with Pharaoh, he's not going to listen to me. He doesn't care what I have to say. Remember, I, I'm not his boy anymore. I'm not a royalty anymore. I'm, I'm a shepherd. No one's going to follow me. No one's going to listen to my voice. Guys, the third excuse we all give is I'm not qualified for this. God is calling each of us into something, and you're probably feeling inadequate. I'm not good enough at that yet. I'm not smart enough. I'm not charismatic enough. I'm too shy. I'm too awkward. I'm too anxious. Moses says they will not believe me or listen to my voice. And just look what God says to our feelings of inadequacy. Exodus 4, verse 2. Then the Lord said to him, Hey, what's that in your hand? He said, uh, staff. He said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Verse six, again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak and he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or at least listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Okay, so I thought about this for a long time. What does a staff, a cloak, and water all have in common? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing except that God will use all of them to accomplish what he wants to get done. Moses is like, God, I don't have what it takes. And God says, yeah, but what do you have? He's like a staff. Oh, I can do something with a staff. Uh, you got a cloak? Watch what I can do with a cloak. You got some water? Oh, son, just wait till you see what I'm going to do with water. I'm going to set my people free and crush my enemies with water. God's response to Moses feeling like he didn't have what it takes is, yo, rock what you got. 
Like, what do you have? Throw it down. Use that. I can use that. Guys, when I was a student here, I started sensing a calling, not just to pastoral ministry, but into preaching. And I was so hesitant because the preachers I look up to are super smart and super serious and extremely well-read, and I'm none of those things. I don't have a size 14 brain. I, I, I can't just like captivate a room just talking about milk, right? Like, and God was like, well, what, what do you have? And I said, I have some, some passion. I have some vulnerability. And God said, just throw that down. Just throw that down. I can use that. You got some vulnerability? Throw that down. I'll use that. And he has been using that. Listen, stop worrying about the things you don't have. You don't have them because someone else does. Praise God for that. But there are one or two things that only you have, and you'll hit your stride as a Christian when you, can, when you stop the comparison thing and just start throwing down what you've got. When you start rocking what you've got, God wants to show you what only he can do by using only what you have. Let me say that again. God wants to show you what only he can do by using only what you have. So as you process your calling this week, what do you have to throw down? I know it's going to look lame, right? A cloak is lame. A staff is lame. But what, what can you do? What are you good at? If you don't know, ask a friend, and it might be kind of weird, but just say, hey, man, what do you think I'm good at? Like, what, what do you see in me? Stop looking around at all the things you don't have. Stop feeling like you need to be somebody you're just not. Like, let's just be honest. You're not that, and you're never going to be that. It's okay. Someone else is that. God doesn't make any mistakes. He made you so that you would take whatever you have and just rock it for his glory. Stepping into our calling is about believing in the sovereignty of God, believing that he made you, you, so that you, with some, with some holy swagger, would just be you. Just like no apologies. This is me. Take it or leave it. And God says, I'll take it and I'll use it. Okay, so is Moses in? Exodus 4.10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Excuse number four, I have too many weaknesses. If that's you, look at verse 11. Then the Lord said to him, Who's made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Moses says, I have too many weaknesses. And God says, hey, who do you think made those weaknesses? Guys, listen, whatever you think your weaknesses are, I'm too shy, I'm too awkward, I'm too anxious, I'm too whatever. Listen, those are sovereign strategies. Those are not defects hindering what God wants to do. Those are features enabling what God wants you to do. When I was in elementary school, I had two major weaknesses. I couldn't speak. I was in speech class, and I couldn't read. I was in special ed. 
So what do you think I felt when I started sensing a call into preaching? What does a preacher do? He reads a book and then he speaks about that book. So I'm like, Lord, I can't do this. Like, I, I don't read well, I don't speak well. But listen, as I have, since I can't speed read like my pastoral counterparts, I'm forced to read really slow. And in doing that, sometimes I see things that you could only see if you read really slow. The things you don't like about yourself, the things you would change if you could, those are not defects. Not only are our weaknesses not hindrances to our calling, our weaknesses are sovereign strategies placed in us by God to enable us to fulfill our calling. They're not something to work out, they're something to use. You are gonna succeed in what God's calling you to do. Can you, do you know that? Like you will. You're going to succeed, but your successes will be accompanied with weaknesses so that he gets the glory and you are forced to stay close to God. Okay, finally, it took a while. Moses is in now, right? Verse 13, but Moses said, oh Lord, please send someone else. (laughs) The last excuse we give, God, I'm just not your best option. A lot of us here, we just get to a place to say, yeah, someone should totally do that, but it's not me. Someone should write that book. Someone should start that ministry. Someone should lead that thing, but it's someone else. And here's what I can just never get, get over. If God is the sovereign creator, which he is, if God wanted another Billy Graham, like he can totally do that. There's no cosmic laws against copy-paste, right? If God wanted another Billy Graham, he would have made one. But, but if, since Billy's in glory and you're in here, apparently more than God wants Billy Graham, he wants to use you and me. Like by sovereign grace, you are God's best option for the calling he's placing on your life. It's why he's placing it on your life and not someone else's. Verse 13, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. When we feel like God, uh, you just send someone else, use someone else, God says, I still want to use you, but I'm going to send someone else. When, When my wife and I felt called to start Vertical Church, dude, we were so scared. All we had was a Bible and a backpack. And then God started sending people. Sent Jim to make some structure. Sent Ryan to be my friend. Sent President Hornbeek to just care for me in my marriage. And we're still scared, but we're not alone. Never one day have we been alone. And the same will be true for you. Whatever God is calling you to do, it will be a community project. God is gonna put people, just the right people, at just the right time. And the thing that God is calling you to do will go from impossible to difficult to done. D.L. Moody said, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was a somebody, 40 years learning he was a nobody, and the last 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Yeah, guys, we've got big excuses because we've got some big callings, but listen, we've got a bigger God. Let's spend the rest of our lives discovering what God can do through a bunch of nobodies trying to tell everybody about somebody. Amen?
Amen. Hey, have a happy homecoming week. <laughs>